This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to your Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, and some doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace be yours through Jesus the Christ. Amen. One Sunday a year only, thank God, one Sunday a year to focus on dogma, on doctrine, on theological tenets, the oldest, Um, most ancient, most central understanding of the church, the Holy Trinity. Um, Not mentioned anywhere at all in Scripture. word never is used there. By the late first century, as we hear Paul in many of his writings, he begins to use a Trinitarian formula. We use it ourselves the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, but no one had used the word Trinity up until that point. When Jesus goes up to the mountaintop, right before ascending into heaven, we celebrated that two weeks ago on ascension, he gives his disciples some marching orders. He says, go, get out of here, go out there, love the world the way that I have loved the world, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And obviously, we still do that. We're baptized in the name of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's the oldest liturgy of the church. We're going to do it four times today at Lord of Life Church. But Matthew includes three little words that bring me more comfort than all of the dogma associated with this day. Matthew said, but some doubted. (laughs) Some. Probably all. Now, they were in a bit of a bind, and frankly, we're still in the same bind from the time that they could talk, because um, they were Jewish, like Jesus was Jewish. From the time that they could talk, they had been taught one Bible verse as most important. It was called the Shema. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one. There is one God. That's, that's truth for Judaism, one God. But there they are, with that as their central teaching, looking at Jesus as human and as flesh and blood as they are, but it's after the resurrection now. He's died, he's risen from the dead, and they are now believing in some undeniable way that he's not just human. He's got to be God as well. He's got to be who he says he is. And that day, he leaves this text, and he ascends bodily to the right hand of God, wherever that is, And he tells them, don't leave the city, and they don't, because he's going to send them his spirit, 
And that happens. We celebrated that last week. Now, for the disciples, even the disciples who were, were not mathematically challenged, suddenly one God has become three gods. And that's a problem. Some doubted, yeah. And I think we can understand why. If, if, if you've been raised in the church, uh, this phrase, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is a little bit like the Shema for you. It's just, it's just bedrock. It's just, it's just there. You said it a thousand times. But that's a whole different thing than trying to explain it to your toddler or your next-door neighbor or the person with whom you work or a dear and faithful friend of another religious tradition. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anybody else want to stand up and explain it today? First person who ever uses the word Trinity is a guy named Tertullian. He's an early father of the the church. Uh, He invented the word, literally. And he invented a a formula, theological formula that went with it. Um, Three persons, one substance. Of course, it's never been, been as simple as Tertullian made it out to be. And here's the surprise. Tertullian said, this is the way God is, and not everybody agreed. In fact, they argued about it for a long, long, long time. Here's a quick summary of the good, the bad, the ugly of the argument. First ecumenical council is in 325 AD in Nicaea. The question up for debate at that point in the church's life was whether or not Jesus was God, whether Jesus was divine. And at that council, they affirm that Jesus is in fact God, and they write something called the Nicene Creed. We use it on occasion here at Lord of Life Church. You know how it begins different than the apostolic creed, it begins, we believe in one God, and then talks about the three gods in which we believe. About 50 years after that, in Constantinople, the the whole gang gets together again, this time to talk about the nature of Christ and to talk about the personhood of this Holy Spirit. And at that point, there are some people who are teaching that, that Jesus is all God, just God, just God, and he's never been human and he's not human. But in Constantinople, they vote that um, Jesus is 100% human. Some were also running about the relevance of the Holy Spirit, so the Trinity was defined and affirmed again, three persons, one substance. And that settled it for about 50 years. 431 AD, the pendulum swings back, and now they're concerned that some people are taking this Christ as human thing way too far. They're forgetting that he's also God. And so they decide by unanimous vote at the Council of Ephesus that Jesus, get this, is 100% human and 100% God. I think that flies in basic algebra class. 20 years later, 451 AD, they gather again. This time, the Council of Chalcedon to argue about whether Jesus was in fact fully divine and fully human or whether, you know, he might be a third thing, something else that we don't even really know what that is. And they affirm, no, three persons, one substance. And so it went. On and on and on. And and I'm covering it quickly, and I hope humorously, but it wasn't that. It wasn't quick and it wasn't humorous. It was was hard. Um, People were kicked out of the church. People were labeled heretics. A whole language was developed. Words were created to define all of these things that they were talking about. Homoousius. Some of you, John Walker, you tell him I use that word in, in sermon. 
I haven't used it ever since seminary. Homoousius. Three persons, one body. Mm. All of which is to say that in a church, when we're not fighting over who God is, at best we're going, oh, I don't know who God is, or we're frustrated with who God is. And Matthew just nails it. Some doubted, yes, of course, of course. The fact is that we don't have a way to explain God. You know, uh, something that we could like print up on a nice little bulletin and pass out. This is who we think God is. No one has that. No one. So we have to come at this whole thing from another way. You have to turn your head off for a little bit and, and think differently. Uh, warning, it's a groaner. There's this old guy, he's out for his evening walk like he does every night, lives by himself, he's out walking by himself. And as he's walking this night, he hears this little voice, help me, help me. And he looks around, he doesn't see anything. And he walks a little bit more and he hears the voice again, help me, help me. And he looks down and it's a little frog. And he picks up the frog so gently and the frog says, I'm really a beautiful princess. And if you'll just kiss me, I'll come and live with you and hug you and kiss you and be with you forever. And he looks at the frog and he puts it in his pocket. And the frog says, why aren't you going to kiss me? And he says, well, at my age, I'm more interested in a talking frog. (laughs) One of the the great therapeutic successes of the modern age has been counterintuitive. You go to any long-term care facility right now and you'll discover that they have a pet or two. There's nothing like pet therapy to connect because we all need connection and we all need relationship. It's part of how we're wired. Uh, Babies from the time they're born need not just their mothers, but they need others. All human experience is a shared experience. That's psychology 101. It's not exaggeration to say that we human beings are made to be in relationships. If you think about the, the most significant experiences of your life, I'm willing to bet that they have something to do with a relationship. I'll bet that they had to do with a lover or a friend or a child or a parent, someone who's been very special in your life, probably someone that you could open up to and just totally be yourself, someone who appreciated you, someone who maybe shared the same things that you thought are significant in the world. My hunch is that none of those Uh, events that you shared with that person are spectacular in any kind of way. My hunch is that what makes them special is the person, the relationship, because that is how we are wired. We need companionship. We need community. We need connection. And conversely, the worst times in our lives are probably the ones when we feel most alone, when we feel abandoned, when we feel like we have no other choices, that we're stuck, just me, just me by myself, like Jesus felt in the garden. Deprivation of relationship is the worst possible punishment. Sit in the corner, go to your room, solitary confinement. Take it further, the most infamous, heinous criminals were always loners, people who struggled to connect with others. Being alone, being alienated, being unconnected is very difficult. And, and here, here's the deal. And for those of you who don't know this, I, I got get approval from the woman I live with uh, every Sunday before I say things. I've been married to Ann for 42 years, and I want to tell you this truth. 
Sometimes the persons we love the most drive us the most crazy. I did not marry the woman that I could live with. I, I married the woman that I could not live without. So why is all of that? Why do we need relationships? Because, as Chris read, we are made in the image and in the likeness of God, who today we rather boldly say is not just one, but is many, many. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons in relationship, in an intimate love relationship with one another, all intertwined, all dancing with each other. Have you ever met a couple who is so in love that you can like almost feel it when you're with them? Um, one of the joys of being a pastor is I get to stand right there when people promise their lives to each other. Have you ever had friends whose loyalty and whose trust is a gracious gift beyond understanding? Uh, Have you had parents, have you had siblings whose concern and love for you and yours for them made all the difference in your world? Those relationships are as close to tangibly knowing what the love of God really is. And it is why the church exists, to share that relationship to include others in that relationship. And it's why the church or any other faith tradition cannot exist if it doesn't love, if it doesn't welcome, if it doesn't include, if it doesn't value relationship. And so this is my deep dive into the Trinity today. Um, every, Every reaching out to another person, every urge to hug or to embrace someone, every act of love that you do for someone, every yearning to know God, to be in relationship with God, every desire you have to taste God, to dine with God, is somehow, some way, an indirect testimony to the Trinity, to the God in relationship who loves us in relationship. The Trinity says that, that God, God's self is community, is community, and that's what we all seek because we're created in that likeness. The Trinity says that God is in relationship. That's what we all search for. The Trinity says that God is love. and That's what we yearn for. We cannot help ourselves in that matter. We're made in that image. We're made in that likeness. And so, yes, it's it's absolutely confusing, this thing, Trinity, God. As is every beautiful and meaningful relationship you have ever had or ever will have. But it's it's also a gift. A mysterious gift. The Holy Trinity is the relationship of God within God's self. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father with the Son, Son with the Spirit, Spirit with the Father. And because I have been created in that image and in that likeness, I am at my very best, my most complete, when I am in relationship with God and with other people. We are who we are because God is who God is. Amen.